Welcome to HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. As always, I am Mike Chisholm. As always, I am really excited to be here. Uh, that is not lip motion. If you've listened to any of these shows that we have done uh, with any frequency, and, and I hope to God and pray that you have, um, you know that I am not uh, BSing when I say that. I'm so excited to be helping out with this project, a project that literally wants to change the world. We want to be uh, an avenue, a resource for men and their mental wellness. We are just getting started. If you haven't downloaded the He Changed It app yet, what in the heck are you waiting for? Please go to the Apple or Google store. We are non-denominational when it comes to what we're building here. Uh, download the He Changed It app. Check out what we have. We've got some really cool stuff in there already uh, in the neighborhood of, of free resources and, and all sorts of different articles and 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 ways that men, um, tools that we can use, uh, you know, and men, men, men seem to like the tools. Well, if we have a cell phone with us, uh, this would be a tool that we really want to show and, and have for men out there. Um, dozens of guys are going in the app every day. And if you've been following this podcast right from the beginning, you're seeing literally the, uh, the metamorphosis of this. This idea into an actual thing uh, that will turn into a movement, hopefully to change the world. So check out hechangedit.com for all of the info. Um, if you wouldn't mind, again, I can't wait for a time where I don't have to ask for this. Uh, once we hit that critical mass, the scales have tipped in the in the in the way that I don't have to say. Uh, hey, could you please like, share, subscribe the podcast? We would really appreciate that as well. Uh, one day I won't have to ask that anymore, and we can go from there. So now that that business is out of the way, let us talk about today. Today's guest. I'm really excited about today's guest. Mike, you say that every damn time. Yes, I know I say it every damn time, but they're all excited for different reasons. This one here, it hits me right in the heart. Uh, the excitement I have for this guest that we have today, uh, right in the heart. Um, I've talked a little bit about uh, some of the David Letterman side projects that I do in my life. You know, um, uh, I, I I started the Letterman podcast. I think this might be the first time on this podcast that I've actually announced that. Um, I don't necessarily want to cross pollinate our two platforms that we're doing here, but but at the same time. Um, so many times when we've heard men come and tell their stories, we've talked to psychologists, we've talked to actors, we've talked to athletes, we've talked to uh, life coaches of, of all different disciplines. Um, they've talked about purpose. And 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 even on HeCast, we've talked a lot about how one of men's major pain points here in 2022 is are they living a life of purpose rather than a life that was either told to, that they were supposed to live or they're just in tunnel vision, not knowing what they want to be. And, and we've talked about that a lot. And um, the reason that I started the Letterman podcast is essentially I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a guy on here that's preaching all this stuff with 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 guests, professionals who are much smarter than I am um, and, and talking about this stuff. I don't want to be that guy, but yet not in my time also yearning and stretching and and doing things that that make me feel like I'm living life in color and so so I I, I decided to do that because I am a tremendous enthusiast of David Letterman and and there are some connections that are in there with his world and and I just wanted to I've had this desire to to start this podcast and and so I started it a few months ago and it's been going really really well um it's created a lot of experiences for me that just I never thought I would have and um, in that time, I met a guy who happens to be a really good friend of David Letterman and a world-class performer, actor, stand-up comedian. Um, he is the uh, he's the favorite comedian of many comedians out there. He's one of the most talented people I've ever watched, and I have watched him since I was a kid on screen. And it was funny. His name is Jeff Altman, and 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 when Jeff and I started talking off camera. Um, and, and I was getting to know him a little bit, basically, essentially begging him to come on the Letterman podcast. Um, we were getting to know each other. And I told him about the men's mental wellness podcast that I host. I told him about HeCast, about what we're all a part of here. And immediately we zoned in on that. And we started talking about depression. We started talking about uh, a few episodes ago, we had Bruce Ross on who was, uh, talked about his journey with depression and, and just mental health in general. And Jeff said to me, well, I would very much like to be a guest on that show as well. He he threw it out there and I'm like, 
yeah, Jeff, I'd like to have you on this podcast too. That would be really cool to talk about mental health from your perspective. And that's exactly what we're doing today. Jeff Altman, I cannot thank you enough for uh, putting up with me for another conversation. This one here aimed in a very different direction. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. You're a legend in the entertainment world. You're a legend to me in my heart. Thank you so much for being on HeCast today, Jeff. Well, it's a great pleasure, and especially I think the incentive for coming on was the pay. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all pretty damn excited that about the pay that uh, that HeCast has been giving all of us. We're pretty pretty <laughs> stoked about it. Um, no, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, Mike. Oh man, thank you so much. I'm going to switch the gallery view so you can kind of hear us both and 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 see us here. Um, I, uh, I I got to ask right off the cuff. Um, when I told you what it was, what I was doing with the Letterman podcast, you were like, yes, I I'm excited. I get it. I understand how folks would want to pass on the knowledge and, and everything that, that Dave and company have, have done. And, and, and you were really supportive, but when I told you about the men's mental wellness podcast, things took a, a, a quick right turn and you got really interested in that. What was it about that, uh, idea that got you so interested in helping to support, or did you just take pity on me and say, Oh, this guy needs a lot of help. I'll support him in whatever he needs to do. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, uh, have had a, uh, uh, several brushes with uh, mental health personally in my life. And uh, I have uh, been always interested in psychology. I, I went to school at a place that was fairly academic. And uh, uh, so I, I, ever since I've been in college, I've been interested in psychology, psychiatry, and whatever, or whatever else would make me feel a little better. <laughs> and uh, so... I I, uh, I am uh, no uh, stranger to the world of uh, depression and psychiatry. Um, I want to go into this. Uh, really, I want to start with this. I I don't want to you know bury the lead. I guess is the wrong term, but uh, I don't want to. At the end of the day, there has always been. You talk about stigma. I mean, men's the whole reason my wife and her team are building this this entire uh, enterprise is to get rid of the stigma when it comes to men, and and when we're not feeling right and what we do, and 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 many times the tendency is to bury it, to not talk about it. Um, there's day, another stigma. Oh, go ahead. Every, every, I'm sorry, Mike, to interrupt you, but I'll for, I'm Please. so old I'll forget. Um. Um. I did forget. I just forgot what I was going to say. Stigma. The stigma. I'm kidding. <laughs> I have long COVID. I have long COVID. No, I, I was going to say that um, the people, uh, I think, who have suffered uh, in their lifetimes yeah. uh, with depression would be eager to come on here and talk to you. And what I was going to mention is that every day of my life, I pray for the guys who come have come back from Afghanistan and other uh, 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 you know uh, places of combat and war and have PTSD, which is a form of depression, yep. and uh, perhaps OCD, and uh, you know I just I just pray that they'll step forward and get some help because you were talking about the stigma of men not wanting to do well. You take a you know a, a burly marine yep. who comes back from Afghanistan. And he's uh, what they used to call shell shock yep. back in the First World War. And uh, he don't want to come forward and say, you know, geez, I'm not feeling good. I, I really think I need some help uh, yeah. with my brain. A absolutely. Um, and I mean, that is a pathway that uh, Candy and her team have been going. We certainly have had um, our our share of, of representatives of, of folks from the military on HeCast so far, just scratching the surface of what we want to do. Um, we have some footage of one of the top generals in the Canadian um, Armed Forces. And believe it or not, we got armed forces up here in Canada. Uh, we actually do. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I make light of that because, uh, you know, you look at the United States and the magnitude, the exponential magnitude of the size of, of, of the U.S. military. That is something that we certainly, certainly want to be a help in. We've got some footage of the, the top general when it comes to oh. mental health in, in, in the Canadian forces. And he has this um, it's a somber, somber uh, piece of footage where he is talking about how it's the amount of suicides, the men who don't uh, reach out, who don't, uh, 
who, who who can't bear to the idea of publicizing how they feel and they succumb to suicide. And I mean, certainly there are there are many other avenues how this can come out badly. Violence, uh, your body, heart attack, your body can turn against you, heart attack, strokes, all things like that by keeping this yes. crap in. But but and 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 the one thing that he said though was he said, okay, all of these men who 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 end their life tragically after uh heroically serving um you know sometimes just mere months before uh the idea that that these men who pass every single one of them have a phone in their pocket and 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 the idea that's one of the things that takes candace and her team and spurs them on is the idea that well what if in that phone there was some sort of a silver bullet and what if we as a group um, you know, is the mechanism for firing that silver bullet took away that stigma. And that's what we want to do. We want to take away the phrase. We're taking back the phrase man up. You hear about these groups that are taking back phrases today. The idea of man up, this is something he changed it wants to do. Man up, you know, used to mean exactly what you're talking about. Burying shit, you know, putting it down. We want to make it, no, 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 where you're manning up, where it's like, no, I'm going to take responsibility for how I'm feeling. I'm going to go through and 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 find some people that I can talk to, whether it's family, friends, whatever, where I can empty that glass, where I can let the pressure out of the balloon or whatever. That's what manning up truly, truly is going to be when we're done with it. And and I appreciate you right. saying that. Uh, the military, I mean, oh my goodness. Um, and then it's just other regular guys who are doing what, they were told to do, and this is where I appreciate the entertainer aspect and having your point of view on here, because many entertainers go counterculture to what they were told to do. They didn't go out and get a, a good job with good benefits and, and and buy the house and get the the uh, the family and all of that. They just um, they went on their own path. But there's a lot of guys out there who are just trying to find themselves. And and so this is a very, very important topic uh, that we have here. I just monologued on Jeff Altman. I'm sorry. You're the one that should be talking uh, more. But but yes, you I think you've hit it exactly right there. Well, uh, all I can say is that I, I, I wish that people understood that it takes a, a man to come forward and, and say, geez, look, I'm hurting, you know, uh, uh, and, and I need help because self-preservation is so, you know, paramount to any uh, living human, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, having to succumb to, to your feelings uh, and, and turn to suicide is certainly not what any of us want to see happen. No, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I do want to, I do want to uh, talk to you about this because I mean, you're a, a world-class uh, entertainer to be sure, but but the circles that you 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 crossed and 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 were in for years are the upper echelon of stand up comedy, and and I mean there I can't tell you how many times over my life I'm 46 at the time of this recording, I I can't tell you how many times in my life I've heard. Uh, the debate or the idea of the the the, the stand-up comedian is somebody who is a broken individual or somebody who has mental health things or whatever. I hear Jerry Seinfeld come across and he says the exact opposite. No, it's not like that. It's just like any other profession. You're going to have people on all ends of the spectrum. Um, I don't know that it's it's that simple necessarily. And I'm super curious, a, a good friend of yours who came up with you, Robin Williams, like you look at some of these, uh, and, and there are other examples as well of, of folks who, who came up with uh, maybe just after you, like Sam Kinison or people through the comedy store that, that led lives that some would, would call kind of destructive. And, 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 and at the same time, you know, this idea of making people laugh. Do you think there's anything to it or are you more on the Seinfeld side of things? Are stand-up comedians, uh, uh, you know, exercising um, an, an exercise of, of mental health in what they do? Well, it, it depends on how I, I suppose the impetus to take the stage uh, is viewed. Uh, and, and, you know, if you're going up there just to, uh, you know, uh, cement a craft, well, then maybe Jerry's right. But if you're going up there because you need to get laughs, because you found this, this, uh, this sort of pathway in your life to feel good by getting laughs, well, when you don't get them, you tend to not feel so good. And when you do get them, you do. So there's this kind of rolling up and down that can happen because nobody always does well. I, I guess unless you're Jerry or uh, Rodney Dangerfield, bless his heart. And yeah. uh, I wish he was still with us. And uh, other people like that who just could go in and, you know, kill uh, performing their craft. But, yeah. but uh, 
But for me, I know is, is an example. Uh, I, it, the notion of getting laughs has been with me since I was a little kid. And when I don't, or when I feel ignored, I don't feel as good and as vibrant and as cogent. You were the class clown growing up, right? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was. I was the class clown in high school and sort of the funny guy in college. And you know, and I, I tried. I think my comedy even uh, is somewhat reminiscent of that notion uh, of the class clown. You know, I I, I was not uh, necessarily a monologist. I get up on stage and smash my head on a bar stool and fall down, or I, I do some strange character uh, like I was doing in high school. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, it just, uh, it just has kept on and, uh, you know, kept, kept me in the kind of in the groove. You know, it's funny, you know, we're, it's, it's a very serious topic that we have here, but every time that I talk to Jeff on the phone or that we've, we've had an interaction, those voices just come out like that's you. And I, I fucking love it. Like it's, it's so great. Uh, and it does. I didn't, we didn't believe it or not, everybody. We didn't pre-interview for this. Um, I, 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 I assumed you were the class clown because I remember growing up what the folks in my, in my high school classes that made me laugh, the kind of antics and things that they did. Um, and and it, it's reminiscent for sure. Your comedy, however, though, uh, uh, um, I'm going to say this with all of the respect in the world, uh, deceptively intelligent, because you would do things that were, you know, kind of crazy or zany or, or, or wacky, but then you would break into something that shows tremendous talent or tremendous intelligence or insight or things like that. And you would put the two together. You put the smart and the silly together. And I think that was one of the things that so many people find so charming about, about your delivery. Um, and, and Thank I mean, you, Mike. You know, very nice of you to say that. I always consider what I did was sort of clownish, but, but uh, it's, it's refreshing to hear you say there was some intelligence. Hey man. Um, I had the third uh, lowest the essay. I had the third lowest SATs uh, of anyone who went to my school. Yeah. I signed my name on the paper. I walked out. <laughs> and that only got you to the third lowest. Can you believe that? What the heck did That's the right. other two people do? Maybe they spelled their names wrong or something. You shouldn't have spelled your name right, Jeff. That's right. Good punchline. <laughs> Well, and, and, and to stay on stand-up for a second here, um, and I appreciate the fact that you're willing to talk about, you know, some of the elements that you've gone through in your life, and we will, yeah. certainly. But again, just to stay on stand-up for a second, because you are, mm -hmm. I have you on here, and you came up in during what would be considered a legendary, um, groundbreaking time of stand-up, one where the top acts of today look to you guys and gals and there were some gals not as many as there are today but there were some think of elaine and, and some of these other folks oh, that yeah. were there with you um and uh, well and meryl i mean i uh, meryl marco i mean oh my goodness they're talking about a genius right there um who, who came up but i think about richard Pryor, okay and you look at where richard Pryor came from some would consider him the greatest stand-up of all time many people would consider him yep. uh you know uh, the prolific um I'm not sure about your relationship with Carlin, but but you look at those two individuals. Uh, I'm just going to take Carlin and Pryor for a second, and and you think about what we've been told and what we know about mental health and how it's important to you know sometimes get some of these things out and dissect. Those are two individuals right there where I look at some of their acts, um, polished some of their specials, and it was them pouring their heart out, but then throwing the little a uh, humorous jab at the end or, or as part of it. Um, I can only imagine what it would be like being in the clubs, watching them work that material out. And, and, and the part of me that goes, okay, so prior, if you know anything about his background, that's him working shit out on stage <laughs> and actually helping his mental health by doing that. That's the kind of thing that I don't hear with the stand-up stigma very much is you've got these individuals who actually, they know themselves pretty well because they work out their stuff and they do it in front of a group of people mm -hmm. many times live and on the fly. Yeah. Uh, I was very fortunate, Mike, in, in that I, I had relationships with both the aforementioned and, and uh, I, I, uh, I mean, I think the highest compliment I was ever paid in 1977, maybe it was, uh, was I was walking out of the comedy store and Richard was right behind me. And uh, he, he looked up, he said, you know, you and Letterman are the best. You know, that was all I needed, you know, just, uh, you know, 
because I, I had had some bad days. And when I heard that from Richard, I thought to myself, yeah, I guess I'll keep this up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I have a few more jokes that left in me. Okay. You know, but uh, uh, he was talking about the, the guys around the comedy store that night. Yeah, no, I get it. So it but wasn't whatever. in general. It wasn't in general because I certainly wouldn't compare myself to either of them, but, uh, uh, or, or lots of other uh, people, but, but uh, I'll never forget that. And George Carlin was a buddy too. He did, he did, did a favor for me. I, I put on a, a benefit uh, in the San Fernando Valley back in 1980, I think. Yeah. And uh, um, it was for a cancer research at UCLA. And George Carlin came in and did four free shows for me. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, what do you say? Wow. How do you thank him for that? You know, there's just no way. And uh, so I, I, I got along great with both those guys. And uh, they certainly were ins inspirations for me to continue doing stand-up. I love that you have uh, an educated knowledge about this. And I'll try and be as – I'm trying not to be long-winded, Jeff, but I just – I can't help it sometimes. I picked okay. those two in particular uh, because – I was long-winded guys... last night. <laughs> my, my wife had to leave the bedroom. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Um, you've got two guys here who at the beginning of their careers, their act looked a certain way. And I, I wouldn't even call it cookie cutter because it was revolutionary at the time. Still stand up was in its infancy, but their act was very, for lack of a better term, homogenized, I would say. And then both of these guys had, had turning points in their life, made decisions, whatever it was that made them kind of go click and they completely changed their act to what many would call, um, you know, bi biographical for sure, but 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 real, like where they just changed their acts entirely. Like you look at George Carlin, and after he made that change, and and you would have gotten that Carlin during your benefits that you talked about. Um, you know, it, it's almost like it's like, no, no, no. We got to start being more authentic. I think with both those two guys, and and while they were just as funny as ever, I find that their material. Uh, was even more powerful because they were being so authentic in who they were as, and, and they completely changed their styles. Right. Yeah. I don't know what to say to that, except you're absolutely correct. I mean, George Carlin was, you know, doing the hippie dippy weatherman and, yeah. and, and the stuff, you know, the thin tie and the suit and, and the hair combed over in a nice pompadour. And, uh, you know, Richard was in Vegas going, you know, I saw today, you know, he, you know, he, he was just doing straight ahead stuff and uh, they both broke down and, and turned more inward and, and, and more uh, to themselves, uh, be, be honest. And uh, that's what they both did. You're so, I mean, I got nothing to say about that. You're absolutely right, Mike. Well, and, and when it comes to mental wellness and, and all of that, I think that we as men, I think we fire on an extra two cylinders when we are being able to live that authentically and be, and be those, um, if we can be authentic um, in what we do, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're winning and we're moving ahead that much farther. And, and, and I think authenticity is something that many men struggle with, whether it's a matter of fitting in, whether it's a matter of, um, you know, doing what we're supposed to do because our parents or our, our spouse or someone else expectations, you know, responsibilities that we're shouldering. Um, do you, I personally, my viewpoint is guys like you, got a chance to live their life a lot more authentically with all the ups and downs that you've had in, in, in your life, because being an entertainer is not an easy gig uh, with all the things that you have to deal with, not knowing where your next checks are going to come from sometimes and whatnot. Uh, was that freeing for you because you were living authentically? Well, uh, let me say there, there certainly was uh, uh, differences in my persona uh, uh, off the stage than it was on the stage. You take a guy like Richard Lewis, for instance, comes to yeah. mind. And I think to myself, his persona wasn't so very different than he was on stage. And uh, I'm not saying that I was a different guy. I, I wasn't really a different guy. But right. there was a soft side to me, I think, and a, and, and a, and a eventually a uh, in two instances, one in 1991 and again in 1998, yeah. where, I, where I went through some very, very uh, depressing times and uh, luckily recovered 
But what uh, did depression look like for you, Jeff? Like what, how did it manifest itself? What did it feel like? Well, in 1991, uh, things had coalesced such that, uh, I, I thought I was going to be losing everything I had. And in 1991, uh, uh, I had everything going. I had two uh, network shows on at the same time. I was hosting a show called The uh, Sunday Comics on Fox. Mm -hmm. And um, I was also on a show called Nurses on NBC, where I played the male nurse. And uh, sequences of stuff went down. And I thought to myself, this is the end of my life. Uh, things are going to transpire. I'm going to lose all this. I'll lose my family. I'll lose my, you know, I just had a, a child two years before mm -hmm. and I, I just saw all of it going, uh, you know, down the drain. And uh, that swept me into a, a, a what was what's be considered an anxious depression, yeah. which I, I don't want to be uh, judgmental exactly, but I will say that an anxious depression, I believe, I don't know, you can't say which is the worst kind of depression, but I'm going to venture to say that sure. an anxious depression, uh, it, 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 at least in my opinion, is a horrible thing to be in, in, in. And, and I think that's what somewhat what PTSD is like, you know. Can you explain anxious depression as you see it, as, as, as a guy well, who went through it? What, what was it? Define well, it for some guys out there that might not know where they are right now. They just kind of know that there's something there. There are quiet depressions where you'll maybe lie in bed all day and uh you know uh, sleep or, or you can't get out of bed or but and and you feel like you don't want to do anything uh and you're not interested in things you you have a, maybe a, a reduced or, or greatly increased appetite appetites can change with depression uh in my case it, it, it virtually kind of faded uh but um I think an anxious depression is best described by an old Stephen Wright joke. He said, he used to say, you, you know what it feels like when you're leaning back in your chair and you almost go, you almost fall back and you fall over. He, said, he used to say, that's what I feel like all the time. Well, that isn't a bad description of an anxious depression. You feel that moment of anxiety, but that's, you're feeling that all the time. You're feeling like you're, you're going to jump out of your skin all the time and it, it in my case i was lucky it started to abate as the evening came on many depressions are uh uh formed by uh the nature of the, the course of the day that you yeah. feel worse when you wake up in the morning and and better at night some people feel okay maybe when they wake up and shittier at night yeah. but my depression was characterized by getting up and having that anxiety hit me immediately and and just you feel like your heart was going to just pound out of your chest. Yeah. And uh, then as the evening would approach, I was able to a work and B feel a little bit better. So um, that was the uh, etiology of my, uh, my anxious depression. I, I, um, I, uh, I, I felt uh, just, just awful all the time with the exception of maybe late at night. And I would stand, I remember standing uh, when I would get up in the morning or I would go to sleep at night, standing in front of, in front of a picture of Muhammad Ali, who was maybe one of my life's heroes. Yeah. And uh, uh, I would, you know, I would say, of all times, of all times, the greatest of all times. And, 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 and I would, you know, make my fists go and I, and I say, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. And that, that was probably at night. And then I'd wake up in the morning and bang, Joe Frazier hit you. Like, like you know, in the, in the 10th round uh, or the 12th round or the 13th round of the Ali, famous yeah. first Ali-Frazier fight. Yeah. And uh, that's what an anxious depression is like. And my two depressions were, were different, uh, equally as menacing. Uh, one was in 1991, as I'm talking about now, and the other yeah. was in 1998. And that occurred... Uh, because I had stopped taking my medicine yeah. and started pl playing around with uh, what I thought was no need for medicine. I think I started fiddling with St. John's wort, yep. which, which is something that people will try if they're it's not like a feeling supplement. good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have much faith in, in uh, things that aren't prescribed. Yeah, I, uh, 
I really appreciate you talking about this. Um, in 91, that what you described or what Stephen Wright described, that, that feeling where you almost fall from a chair, except it doesn't go away. That's all it is. Yeah. The beginning of the day for hours and hours and hours until you can kind of come back to yourself a little bit for the evening. How long did that last? Was that was that weeks? Was that months? months. And was it medication that that uh, helped normalize things for you? Is that is that kind of how you got out of it? Or was it a combination nope. of medication and talking things out and figuring things out and, and realizing that the situation you were in is temporary? And no matter what's going to happen, life is going to go on and, and learning lessons from that. Or was it a combination of all of them? Well, when you're in it, when, when you're in the depression, I, I have a, I had a good friend. I don't know if you remember a comedy team called Roger and Roger. Does that <laughs> ring a bell? Yeah, it does. Uh, the younger of, of, of the two uh, or the rather the smaller of the two Rogers, Roger Bear, was a, a, probably my best friend on the West Coast uh, mm. during the years that, or certainly around the years that I was depressed. Yeah. And if it hadn't been for him, I don't know if I'd be talking to you now, but he was with me every night uh, to, 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 to let me know that this is going to end because when you're in it, there is a hopelessness. Yes. There is a feeling that this will never go away. This yeah. is how I'm going to feel for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that is the depression as Roger used to say, that is the depression talking to you. That is the depression telling you, yeah. And it's all bullshit. Yes. Because even the worst of depressed people uh, uh, have their depressions eventually usually lift. There yes. are rare cases in which, the, I mean, if you talk to Dick Cavett, for instance, which I did, uh, he would tell you about uh, non-ending depression and some of the things that he had to go through to yeah. make it abate, which were considered uh, far-reaching. And... Um, he, uh, he was a very interesting person that I talked to when I was depressed, and he helped me a little bit. And But Roger Bear being with me every night and uh, uh, pulling me through was certainly a boon to my uh, finally uh, coming through it and having someone there. And that's why everybody needs to have someone there, albeit a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a counselor, a friend, someone who they and it may you know it may not be the person who's closest to you in the world for instance it could be couldn't it could or could not be your wife it could or could not be your best friend it could be somebody who's tangential to your life yeah uh, um but uh somebody with you is, is i think a, a, a big help to uh surviving well, and this goes back to how we kind of started things where 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 so many guys, their tendency is to is to is to hide it away and to keep it a secret and to not tell people. And 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 right there, I think you've just talked about how a good first step. And then of course, I mean, we're we're not um never not advocating for professional help because many times that is necessary, but it begins with you telling somebody about it and and somebody that 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 cares. You know, uh, I just was on absolutely a, a, yeah, yeah, it's 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 so important to have somebody in your quarter, whoever that might be. My wife and I, um, we experienced that when we went to uh, BC Children's Hospital with our granddaughter. You know, we were there for six months with her every day, uh, out a different city, and and we talk about it in the book that we wrote about it, um, in that experience and 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 how uh, some of our quote unquote best friends, um, they kind of faded away. Sometimes when when we show. Uh, vulnerability like this there are people who are close to us where it makes them maybe a little bit uncomfortable they can't they can't stand the fire they move away but then it was the craziest thing because when we went it was kind of public uh around our city you know everyone was rallying around our little 18 month old granddaughter it was this this, this beautiful experience of, of, of a community coming together we had acquaintances that were in our life um we'd see them a couple times a year at a, at a function or a party we knew them but they weren't you know in that friendship group and they just magneted it in when they found out what we were going through because maybe they had gone through something like that or maybe they're just the way that their personality type or their heart is set up is to be empathic uh, uh to be an uh, a vessel of empathy and 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 when you're going through something if you throw it out there and you allow whatever you want to call it the universe or or, or whatever to uh, you, you allow someone to hear that story. And if they move forward to you, the power in not stifling it, but being vulnerable and giving that to them 
it can be life-changing because that might be the person you're talking about. Well, I think that's the notion of therapy anyway. I think the notion of, 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 of giving it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of getting it out there and yep. it, 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 it provides some relief. Uh, you know, uh, saying I feel shitty, I feel terrible, I feel awful to someone else it is um, somewhat uh, helpful. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's, 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 it's going to cure necessarily the depression, but uh, you asked me before, Mike, I, I wanted to get back to this, if uh, uh, medicine helped me. Yes, uh, yes. It's hard to say. So, you know, somebody, let's say, who was depressed for, say, six months and um, they take medicine. It's hard to say necessarily what happened? Did the depression just disappear on its own and you were taking medicine or did the medicine make it go away? Right. Well, I can say this. I would certainly rather be treated with medicine than I would just to take my chances, roll the dice and say, gee, I, I hope it goes away. Yeah. Uh, 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 I, I, in all cases, I would use every form of science and medicine that I could to help myself. Um, and I, I think everyone should take advantage of, of that idea yep. that, the, the the science and medicine and psychiatry are there to help uh and it, it is not a, a a fallacy or a uh uh to to to, to make that statement i think it's true and uh it, it certainly is not um uh what's the word it, it's uh it's unmanly to 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 come forward and, and say, geez, I'm really hurting. It's it, it, it's it's absolutely part of the cure, I think, to come yes. forward and say, I'm hurting, I need help, can you help me? Yeah. How can I get help? Where can I get help? How much is the help? What do I have to do? Are yep. there free places to go? Are yep. there are there meetings to go to for people who are depressed? Yes. Uh, anything like that can only help. I appreciate where you're coming from. We're at the stage with He Changed It right now. It's happening right now where I have been, I don't know what you want to call it. I, I, I've been uh, compelled um, to to help start the the men's small group aspect to He Changed It. I mean, the whole, if you, if you, if you look at it, there's this huge playbook as to where He Changed It's going to go. Part of it is the idea of a small group that can be either done over Zoom or in person or whatever, um, where it's, it's like layman. Uh, it's not, you know, you don't need therapists and things like that, but at the same time, it's a place where guys can go and they can, they can do that. They can, they can, they can get things out there, uh, with, you know, four or five other guys, um, listening number one, but number two, maybe can offer feedback, can offer things like what you just said to take the edge off, because it's one thing to know that you're depressed and to know that you probably need help and that be an overwhelming, it, it almost seems like it just it's, it's almost undoable, but if you got two or three other people that are there that are saying, no, 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 you can do this. It's okay to do this. It's almost a permission thing. And, and, and many people have done this before. You are not alone. I think you are not alone is a huge component. Ooh, you, are, this you, as well. you are not alone is, is so important, Mike. It is, isn't because, it? Oh, uh, right on uh, the money. Uh, uh, you know, you sit in front of a psychiatrist and he says, you know, <clears throat> I treat uh, scores of people with your story uh, or you talk to friends or, or you sit in a group of, of people who are depressed yep. and, and you begin to see that this is not unusual. This isn't something, uh, you know, that only, uh, you know, pipsqueaks. Remember that word? Pipsqueak? Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> uh, um, he's a pipsqueak. Um, um, you know, it, 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 it's <clears throat> you, asking for help. In, a, in and of itself is curative. I could not agree more. Um, so 91, you get through that storm. Um, things start to, you know, pieces that were, that may have fallen down are now being reformed and in, into new ways and, and life is becoming uh, the new normal of whatever that looks like. That temporary situation is now not nearly as hot and it's in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. At that point, are you medicated the entire time? And then when well, you get to 98, my, oh, go ahead. Yeah, that, that was my problem, Mike. I, 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 I was medicated uh, and uh, uh, just, I think I was taking Prozac. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, and uh, 
now we have we have tempered that with another drug. Uh, I don't take Prozac anymore. I take another drug called Defexor. Okay, uh, is, a, is a maintenance drug and something called uh, Abilify or Aripiprazole, yeah. which, which is a, which is an antipsychotic. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people uh, may not be aware of this, but antipsychotic drugs used in very small doses, like uh, Zyprexa, Abilify, yeah. uh, these drugs. Uh, <clears throat> when used in adjunct with a, uh, uh, an antidepressant can be very, very helpful, life-saving even. Uh, <clears throat> people who are psychotic uh, who take these drugs are taking, you know, uh, 15 to 30 milligrams, let's say, of Abilify. I was taking, uh, I take two milligrams of it every day. Right. And it's it, just it something to level, to level the, uh, this is an SSRI, right? Uh uh, uh, no, it's an anti uh, an antipsychotic. Which oh, is which a, is different than it. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, Prozac, Prozac, and uh, 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 other drugs like Prozac or SSRIs. Okay, okay. Um, now, now we're what we're talking about here. I'm just going to make sure that we uh, we we do the the necessary disclaimer. Neither of us are doctors. We're just talking about anecdotal situations where um, things have been prescribed specifically for Jeff and his where he's at as a matter of brain chemistry, as a matter of experience in life. And all of us men have our different uh, chemistries and experiences in life. And this is where the professionals can come in. It's one thing for like, we're talking about the small group where we can many times, um, you know, I, we use the idea that he changed it as like a yoga class, you know, a yoga class will many times keep you out of the doctor's office just for preventative, uh, stuff, you know, it'll, it'll keep you even out of a physiotherapist's office sometimes, um, for preventative. If you, if you get into yoga as a habit, uh, a lot of things in life from your breathing to your muscles, to all that sort of stuff, uh, even your mentality, uh, many times can just sort of, um, level off. And that's what he changed it is, is, is meant to be. Now, that being yes, said, Michael, if, Mike, I, w- I was not by any stretch of the imagination prescribing here. In this, absolutely in this, not. Well, in, and in thank this, God, because we all need uh, <laughs> what you said is right on the money. I, I mean, uh, uh, everybody is an individual. Uh, yes. The drugs I take are, 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 are for me prescribed by a guy who's I, I don't want to brag but probably one of the, the, the best psychiatrists in the United States. He's head of the mood disorders clinic at UCLA. Oh my gosh. There's yeah, a guy and, we want to talk to on HeCast, by the way, if ever you're talking to that guy and he wants to do someone a solid and talk to some men out there, um, I bet you he would have some very, very interesting insights in his career of things that he has seen and the shifts and all of the things. Tremendous wow. insights, tremendous insights. And he, he, he has kept me alive. Uh, for the past 30 years. And, <laughs> and what I was saying before about drugs that I had taken yes. are, are not to, not to be, uh, I don't want anybody to think of themselves, oh, I'm depressed. I need an antipsychotic. You may not. Yeah. You, you may, you, you might need two weeks of just, just sitting in your apartment uh, and, and get well on your own. You might need uh, uh, an SSRI. Yep. You, you might need uh, an old fashioned uh, anti uh, uh, what is the name classification of that drug? Oh God, I'm going blank. Some of them, they're you know, some of them have side effects. Uh, <laughs> no, um, but uh, um, yeah, I was not, I was not so, uh, making any solicitations. Uh, and, and, and I know you weren't. I was just making sure we threw it out there because it's no, important to... very important. And 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 if you are depressed and you've been depressed for let's say three weeks, you need to get in and speak to somebody. Yeah. You need to get in and talk to somebody who knows a lot more than either you or I do about how to treat a depression and what kind of a depression is and what kind of personality you have and what you're expecting, what your expectations are and, you know, how deeply you are depressed. Yes. I I think that's extremely important. Uh, Again, it's not a matter of taking one lever and pulling it down all the way or one knob and turning it up to 11. It's, it's a matter of all of these different things that are, that, that, that are part of uh, what make us who we are. You, you, you know, you, you talked about it yourself, brain chemistry, personality, all of these different things that uh, pieces of the puzzle that, um, that add up to this. I want to, I want to go back to your story though, because, because, okay, so you're, you're, you're medicated. You, you, you monkey around with it a little bit um, in 98 was your depression that happened a direct result of monkeying around with those things um, that were, that it were was, happening? It was, 
Yeah, it was a result, Mike, of me uh, feeling great again and uh, being in therapy and saying to myself, you know, I, I feel pretty good. You know, why, why should I be taking drugs that I don't necessarily need? Now, this right. is my ideation. Yep. This, isn't, this isn't the truth. So I stopped taking uh, uh, my medication. Cold turkey? And, pardon me? Cold turkey? You just stopped? I, I don't remember, but I'm pretty okay. sure I didn't. I couldn't have because uh, I was in therapy with this gentleman I mentioned at UCLA. And I'm nearly certain there was no way he would have let me stop cold turkey. And he he always uh, lobbied for, you know, continuing the medication. I said, no, let me stop it for a while. I'm feeling great. I know I'll be great. Well, I stopped it. And uh, as time went on, I, I had some resurfacing, almost PTSD of my first depression. Oh, wow. And, and uh, uh, like PTSD, where you start remembering these bad times, uh, I started up again. And uh, this time I had a more quiet depression, but just as serious, yeah. uh, just, just as life-threatening. And um, I remember riding in a car in my hometown of Syracuse, New York, and riding with my best friend. He was driving the car, and I turned to him and I said, I, I don't think I'm going to make it through this one. Oh, Jeff, that is hard to hear. It's uh, I appreciate you saying it because I think that there's a lot of guys who might hear this and go, oh, oh okay. Um, when you said that, um, what was the response? And 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 was that was that the rock bottom moment right there, which ironically leads to like you you said it, you said it out loud. It wasn't just inside. Did saying it out loud help? in any way start to turn the corner of that one was that was that a rock bottom moment oh it it, it was i don't know if there was a moment uh in time where uh I, there was a lot of crying a lot i was I, I was in my house that i grew up in in 98 i went back my mom said come on home mm. and uh you know be with me and you'll have the house here and you'll feel comfortable so i got on a plane and flew back to syracuse new york and um uh, laid on my bed for a couple of months and, uh, uh, you know, and crying was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think so. I, th I think it was, uh, uh, yes. Helpful. That's and, the body's um, pressure release valve, isn't it, Jeff? Like if you that? don't cry, if you don't cry, the pressure doesn't get released and then bad that's things right. will happen. Pops happen. So the crying, that's a, that's a, that's a good thing. And I would submit the idea that maybe you were crying out a lot of stuff that had built up perhaps. Uh, perhaps, or I was crying from the pain and, yeah. and the hopelessness at the time. Yeah. And uh, I, you, you just tend to forget the, the notion that, that this will end, which is the truth, which is the truth. There, there's there's going to come coming into a depression. It might last uh, a month or two. It may, it may last longer. It could last a shorter amount of time. But you will em emerge from it and, and and be a stronger person. I think uh, as a result, uh, not not that you need to go through a depression in order to be a strong human being. There are people fifty times stronger than me that have never been depressed. So I'm not saying that's a a a, a, a it's a generalization. I guess. But, I suppose it is, but it's also life though. Like you think about, go back to your life as stand-up. you become a more effective stand-up by going up on stage and eating it. Uh, yeah, I think of my, my, my stepson who is a, uh, just become a personal trainer right now. He just went in a natural bodybuilding competition for the first time in his life. And, and, and I mean, we've watched him over the last six months. Uh, he plays first in the natural category and it was amazing. But what is he doing when he works out? He damages his muscles only to come back stronger and, and, and this idea of, from a mental health, you know, talking about becoming a, a world-class standup by eating shit on stage for three months or going into the gym and kicking the crap out of your body so you can build up stronger. Those are things that are fairly easy for us as humans to accept. The idea of eating it from a mental health perspective so you can come back stronger, why is there a stigma attached to that? Well, I, 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 guess, I guess it's similar to maybe being in the army mm -hmm. or when you're a kid being at camp and you, you, you tend to remember these experiences where you're, you're left kind of on your own. And, you know, you, 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 you buddy, you make friends that you yep. never forget. 
Yep. Uh, arm, army buddies uh, and stuff are, are friends for, for life. Foxhole no buddies. Long... Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can only think of the guys that, you know, stormed the beaches at Omaha and Normandy and stuff like that and survived. And uh, I mean, so many of those guys could, could, couldn't, you know, because they, they, these are guys that, you know, were alive in the 20s, 30s and 40s. Yep. Uh, fighting in, in the World War II when they were in, in during the, the during the 1940s, yep. and that was not a time where you stepped forward and said, "Oh God, I'm depressed. Can <laughs> someone come and help me? I'm depressed." <laughs> you know, they, they found it to be you know those guys all found it to be emasculating. That's why so many men, and I've talked to some, just won't talk about it. They will yeah. not talk about their 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 combat years. Uh, storming the beaches or wherever they stormed uh, because it's just too painful. And I wish that there could be a, a bridge built for them because they're holding on to things. You know, I mean, I haven't stormed the beaches of Normandy. I haven't been in a foxhole literally with somebody. But when my granddaughter, who is, I will tell you this straight up, she's my favorite human being on the planet. As much as I love all the people that I admire, as much as I love the people in my family, my little granddaughter, she's four. She's my best friend. She is my favorite human on the planet. And she has been that since she was born. And 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 being at BC Children's Hospital with her, um, not knowing if she was going to come out of it, you know, she had a tumor the size of my fist behind her tailbone. Um, I, I I will tell you this. Um, I would put that experience up against some of the horrors that some of these people have seen because I saw the kids that were staying also at Ronald McDonald House around her that didn't make it out. I saw some of the uh, the situations on the oncology ward of this world-class facility. And and I mean, I, I'm saying that out right now, not to, not to create any emotional response in anybody. I'm saying it plainly and logically because I know by saying those things, I'm not bottling them up. And it's a, um, uh, those gentlemen that you talk about, um, women and gentlemen for that matter, who have seen these types of things, it sounds easy to say, or not easy, I guess that's not the wrong word, but it, it's, 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 it sounds um, relatable. To say, okay, these are things that they never want to uh, ever dig up again. But you and I are both testaments to knowing that that building that bridge of actually digging it up a little bit and and doing some work can actually release it forever, and 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 can reframe it at least reframe it forever. And you don't have to carry around this bag of rocks that you're carrying around. And you're a testament to that too. You carried a bag of rocks for a long time at a couple periods of your life. And I love that you are here today to talk about uh, the, the the freedom and, and what it's like. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but it feels pretty damn good to take the to take that bag of rocks off your back. Yeah, it does. And, and let me say something else, uh, Mike. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, but everyone is different. Every, everyone, yeah. so, so, everyone is different uh, chemically and, and neurologically. Uh, people's synapses are hooked up differently. And so some people can go through a tremendous amount of trauma, not become depressed. Some people can go through a little trauma or what they perceive to be a lot of trouble, which isn't trouble, which was, which was what, what, what happened to me in 91. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Everyone is different. You know, it's, it's not like if, if you walk through the oncology ward at uh, wherever you were. Yeah. Johns Hopkins, let's say. The Children's Hospital. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, um, that you're going to become depressed. It, it may make you more empathetic towards the world, but you're not going to necessarily get depressed because you walk through an oncology ward. And yet, if you had someone who was very dear to you, like your granddaughter. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that's enough to stimulate, uh, uh, you know, something more, uh, massive than just, uh, you know, everyday feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah. And, uh, 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 so everyone is different, you know, I, 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 it, it, you don't have to shake me a lot for me to feel shitty. Um, and, and, and I think that that might be experienced by fellow comedians and, and, and the general populace, I guess, as a whole, I don't know. Uh, but everyone's different as to how much they, they, they need to be shaken in order to become depressed. My, my only message, if I can maybe homogenize this, is, is that the minute you're feeling pain, share that pain with somebody. Yep. 
and, and get some help. And if you're getting psychiatric help, let, let the doctor do the diagnosing. Don't, don't say, well, I saw Jeff Altman, man. He said I should take Prozac. That's <laughs> you know, fucking A, man, go for it. You know, uh, that's, that's, not, that's not a panacea, believe me. <laughs> Certainly what I say is just my own experience. Yes. And, and everybody will have their own experience uh, as they go through life. And, and if, if it's depression that hits you, my, my main message is speak about it, talk about it, get some help. There, there's nothing uh, emasculating uh, about doing that, uh, either for a woman or a man. You know, we've, we've been talking here primarily, I guess, about me because I'm a guy. Sure. Uh, and uh, I'm thinking, you know, the people who stormed Normandy were all men and, uh, yep. you, you know, or in Afghanistan weren't all uh, uh, men. Yeah. There, were, there, were, there were women as well. So this goes for, for, for both genders, I mean. Without a doubt. Well, and, and, and Candy talks about this all the time with her, with her team and, and, and whatnot with He Changed It. Because, I mean, there's a whole, there's a big plan that's that's uh a part of this like she changed it and we changed it are both waiting in the wings um the reason why candy has felt so compelled and driven with he changed it is because she doesn't like the world her boys are inheriting flat out there's there's she got two boys we love them with all of our hearts and she doesn't like the way the culture is shifting the way that uh in many ways men are under attack and then you take the idea of the world health world, world health organization seven out of ten suicides are middle-aged men you look at but Again, it's not all about suicide. He changed it isn't necessarily a suicide prevention app. It's not because there's other ways that when men pop, we talk about crying being a, a pressure valve release. Yeah. Uh, when the balloon pops, it might not be suicide. It could be violence. It could be, again, heart attacks, strokes, that kind of thing. And and so uh, right. the world the World Health Organization calls men's mental wellness or men's mental health a silent crisis. And so that's the tip of the spear for her. But then the idea of of um, and 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 what we're talking about here, again, I'm not trying to stigmatize, but the stats show us that women naturally do what you and I are talking about. That can be so bloody difficult for men to do. Women just do it naturally. They get together, uh, and again, I'm not trying to generalize too too much, but it doesn't take very much of a stretch to realize that this situation that I'm saying is common. Women get together. Maybe there's a couple glasses of wine. They say some outlandish things that they don't necessarily even mean. It gets rid of it and they just kind of move on. Uh, yeah, guys don't do that. That doesn't exempt women from, from having, you know, nope. in, in any way nope. from what we've been talking about nope. because uh, w women are just like men. There's a certain amount of shaking you need to do in, in order for, them to become depressed yes. and, it, and it may may be a different scale for different people but yep. uh women are women are very susceptible to depression uh like when i say very susceptible i mean women are susceptible yeah just like men are susceptible yeah it's just figuring out the uh the buttons that get pressed that push that that that, that cause it um, but yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate this discussion so much. I, I, this is, this is your, your vulnerability, Jeff is, is, um, I very, very, very much appreciate it. Uh, 98, okay. you get through that dark period. And, uh, right. I mean, we're, we're quite a bit removed from 98 right now. And, uh, you know, you're in a different aspect of your career. Uh, you stop doing stand up. You still do your close up magic and things like that, which, uh, which again, I, I just hope and pray that somehow, some way our paths are going to cross down the line where, where, where I can see that or facilitate that live somehow, some way. Um, well, it, it, the, the problem, the problem, Mike, is that if you do see me do close up magic, you may become depressed. <laughs> Uh, I don't believe that to be true, and I, I I cannot wait to test that uh, that 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 uh, theory. Um, since you were talking, Mike, before Mike, you were talking yeah. before uh, about uh, valves to go yes. off, like a crime yes. scene of valves. Yes, uh, I think this it's also good as a uh, a, a warning signal. Uh, and let me let me tell you what I mean by that. Yes, sir. If you are going through your life as you do every day, and there's a rhythm to everyone's life may be very different for different people. If you feel that rhythm being interrupted by anger, feelings of violence, feelings of I want to kill myself, feelings of hopelessness, 
These are signals telling you you need to reach out. And these are signals that you're, you're getting from your body to tell you something is wrong yeah. and it needs attention. Yep. And it doesn't need to be silenced or kept inside. It needs to be released and treated. Yes. It's the, uh, what did they used to call it in the seventies on your, uh, when your oil light would go, it's the idiot light. It's the light on the dash, uh, bright red in front of you. Hey, put some oil in the car. You fool. Like, like, yes, these are signals that, that yes, that's a great way. Thank you for saying that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, How's it been since 98? Have you had any dust ups with your mental health? Have you been pretty much steady on the uh, the medication, the therapy, the talking back and forth with friends? Uh, obviously, you're in a different part of life. Um, you know, I say this very respectfully. You're seeing friends uh, from the past. Uh, you're seeing them pass on. Um, you're seeing you're in a right. different part of life right now. And it's and it's, uh, um, you know, in dealing with with mental health stuff and seeing that kind of stuff, how's it been um, in this I, chapter? I'm, I'm old, Mike. I'm old. I'm 92 years old, and it's nearly over. I sound like Jonathan Winters. I see Jonathan Winters comes up to you, and he goes, "You know, I was over at Paramount today. I was talking to a 26 year old kid. He said, What have you done lately?' <laughs> you know." <laughs> Oh, God bless Jonathan Winters. You and Dave both love that guy, hey? Probably our favorite of yeah. all times. Yeah, yeah. Single favorite of all times. Yeah, along with Pryor and Carlin. And, yeah, and, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I think about your running mates along the way, like like George and all that. And I don't want to bring up all painful stuff, but I mean, you know, it is a, uh, but at the same time, I mean, it feels like you've dealt with this stuff along the way when you were, you know, younger you've learned some of these truths, truths that guys my age in their forties are just starting to learn right now. Um, and, 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 uh, and that's, that's, that's such a necessary thing. And, and taking wisdom from folks who have lived a few more years than us is so important. I, I, I adore that. Um, how's life been for you since, since then, have you been on the same regiment? Um, uh, no, my regiment has changed a, a little bit. I, 98 did not go away as, uh, uh, rapidly as 91 yeah uh, 91 seemed to kind of come to an end and then i i kind of picked up my life and and, and went back to work yeah uh, i not went back to work i continued i was working the whole time i went through the depression sure but your mentality went back to work with it and and you weren't as distracted and i noticed when you weren't I was just phoning set, it in i noticed when i was on the set of this show i was doing called nurses that they played ping pong on the set all, all the time and and uh uh, I noticed because I'm, I'm a decent ping pong player and I, I noticed that when I, as I started to feel better, I'd start playing more and more ping pong and eventually the ping pong started to become fun again. And that's when I knew I was getting better. But in 98, uh, that depression, uh, kind of, uh, persisted. I, I didn't get well on, uh, you know, September, uh, 13th yeah. or, you know, I, 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 it lasted and lasted and finally they put through a a cocktail for me uh, that eventually worked and uh, I, I became, I would say, undepressed. Okay. And uh, that took a, maybe a little while. I, I wasn't feeling depressed uh, endlessly, but I, I, you know, those commercials you see right now, taking your medication, but still feeling a little depressed. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen those commercials. That's kind of how I was. I was taking my medicine and I felt okay and I could function and I could go out and do anything I wanted, but I didn't feel a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, this fellow I see at UCLA uh, uh, eventually uh, changed the cocktail and uh, things got, got to be okay. And uh, I, I've had a few little dust ups, but, but they, they've been uh, uh, just very, very minor. Uh, and I, I, I have, I've been depression free since I, you know, clinically depressed, not, not since 98. But, but uh, well, I, I, that is that is uh, that provides hope right there and perspective again, um, you know, to use that phrase that, that gets used a lot, but it it's get used a lot because it's real. Everything is temporary. And, um, you know, your your situation is a testament to that. Um, I appreciate the fact that 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 you are uh, so willing to talk about this with with guys out there as we kind of move to the close here, Jeff, uh, um, the gratitude that I have for you 
to do this and to feel this way compelled to 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 um uh to share your story here with our audience and to and to just thank you so much for this i really appreciate it um are there any kind of closing words or 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 um sentiments you have might have for guys who are out there i mean i don't want to be a broken record i know talk to people and things like that we we've 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 hit that pretty hard um are there any uh any any parting words that you wanted to make sure that you got into this show here uh before we uh close her up well, let me say this. I, there is, in, in, in almost every case I can think of, that I know of people who ended their lives uh, intentionally, uh, there was really little or no reason for them to do it. When, when it's analyzed as you step back from it, in their minds, they were doing exactly what they felt they had to do. Yeah. But there was no reason Robin had to go when he did. I don't know what kind of help he was getting or yeah. what kind of all the pressures he was under, but it's always manageable. There's always a step you can take forward. Uh, uh, there, there, as I said before, uh, the realization that these kinds of things do not last forever yeah. and, and, that, and that hopelessness is a lie coming back. It's part of the disease itself. The disease of depression is hopelessness. And that's, that's, that's the disease talking to you. That's oh, the voice God. of the disease inside of you. That yes. isn't, that doesn't necessarily mean things are hopeless. That's, yes. that's depression speaking right in your ear. And, and you must realize it will end. There's a future and uh, happy times to come. Uh, and I can assure that of, of, of all people, as long as you're able to get out and get some help, some camaraderie, and uh perhaps some medication i'm closing it uh that's thank you thank you jeff um i'll uh, i'm gonna do a quick please. outro here and then we'll say our goodbye privately but uh um jeff altman is a is 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 uh world-class entertainment but has also taken ex his experience in life and turned it into world-class wisdom um and, and i mean i'm not going to let you say anything over that because you guys all you, none of you guys can take a compliment very well I, I just for whatever reason every single one of you when i when i try and 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 really really compliment you could deflect it you're you guys are so good at you're you're like ninjas with a throwing star coming at you you're so good at deflecting it jeff you funny entertaining to a fault of course but also wise and and willing to share that wisdom i cannot thank you enough uh, for coming on to HeCast here um, and helping us, uh, uh, you know, be the little engine that could get this thing out there a little bit more. Certainly your profile and your story uh, will help with that. But also um, I just appreciate the fact our second or third phone call, um, you, you assured me, Hey Mike, you know what? We're friends now. We can, we can just talk as friends. And, and I can't tell you how much that means to me personally that I can call you up and we can talk about this stuff, but the fact that you would do it publicly. Uh, and I mean, you know what, even if it's just the dozens of us that see it now, I use that a little hyperbolously, but um, I, I can't thank you enough for being so open publicly about this stuff, Jeff. It means the world to me. Thank you, my friend. Let me just, can I just say one more thing quickly? You can Mike? say as many things as you want. Okay, Absolutely. This, I just want to say one thing quickly. Yes, sir. Goodbye. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is, that is another episode of HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. Download, subscribe, share, do all of that lovely stuff. His name is Jeff Altman. My name is Mike Chisholm. That is another of episode of He Changed It, the official podcast of He Changed It. Go change something. Thank <laughs> you.